Hey, good morning all. Welcome to the Common Good Podcast on this Tuesday, January 24th. We're going to talk about politics. Rob Ryersey, Dan Dietrich, and Doug Padgett here. Uh, taking you through the uh, the landscape, the mindscape, the hellscape that is American politics uh, here on, on Common Good. And you know, when we start, we always start with that little um, slow beginning, uh, letting the music play to let the algorithm spread the word around and notify people's phones and so on. And uh, somewhere in that, those few seconds is the screen grab that becomes the image, the still image on these videos. As they <laughs> oh, no. I don't know if you've gone back and looked, but there are times where it is uh, an incredible array of, uh, of faces. Um, yeah. So I've become quite self-conscious now about that. Like, okay, what what's it going to look like? Try not to, you know, be half, half shut and all. Well, you know, I kind of wish that you had given us a heads up about that before. <laughs> do your own research, Q and Honor. Do your own, uh, do your own work. You should be able to figure all that out. Uh, uh, hey, Rob, uh, how are things there in uh, in Arkansas? Good. We are uh, we are gearing up for some snow. We're uh, we're supposed to get right. four to five inches of snow um, this evening into tomorrow, which okay. should probably shut us down till March. <laughs> that's, that's Let's that. just Thank try you, again in the spring, good to hear everyone. Yeah. Yeah. Good to hear from you. <laughs> yeah. How about how about there in West Michigan, Dan? Got a light dusting. Just uh, just a little bit of snow. Everyone went around as usual. Well, I hope Un- everyone's doing, doing well. Doing well out there in California. I know we have a lot of California listeners and uh, worry about their... Uh, you know, the weather out there. Out my window, I see a strange blue hue to the sky. So I'm not exactly <laughs> sure what that is. Um, we are in that time where if it's going to be warm in Minnesota, it's going to be cloudy. And by warm, we're talking, you know, 27, 29, 31 degrees. For whatever reason, then it's cloudy. And when it's clear, it goes with cold. So the, the clear and cold is the phrase around here. So but anyway, yep. today's we have we have Arctic it, blasts it, coming in. So by the yeah. weekend I'll be complaining about negative temperatures. As opposed clear and cold as opposed to let's see if you know this reference, the clear and the cream. Do you know that reference? I do no. not. Is it that was uh that was what the what the what the steroids were referred to by nineties baseball players. Oh. They would take the clear and the cream. Wow. Huh. That's how they hit all those home runs. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know why Same I have that thing. kind of stuff in my head, but I do. Well, well you're, you're a sports guy. You know what, you know what else I have in my head? And this is going to be a little transition. I very often have Taylor Swift lyrics in my head. <laughs> is that so? That is so. In fact, um, most of this morning, I have been singing in my head a line from her song Karma from her new Midnight's album, I Keep My Side of the Street Clean you wouldn't know what I mean. Um, As you gaze out the front to see that your neighbor has not yet returned their garbage can back up to their garage. Yeah, and it makes me think, I'm not sure I know what that phrase means. Um, So maybe she's talking about me in that song, Karma. Uh, I'm not sure. But, but, you know, Taylor Swift, I'm a Swifty. My eight-year-old makes fun of me for it. Um, And... uh, that's why I did not get tickets for her to go see Taylor Swift. Um, did you, you remember this big debacle that took place? Yes. When, uh, and, and we're leading with this because this is a tremendously important story sent to us 
this morning by uh, by one of our our most avid listeners. Uh, and so, you know, Taylor Swift, uh, there was a big debacle when tickets went on sale for her new tour. Um, Ticketmaster basically, uh, you know, didn't have server capacity to keep up with uh, with all the Swifties out there who wanted to go see Taylor in concert and, uh, and basically burned down Ticketmaster. Um, and I, my sense is that, now Ticketmaster, Live Nation, um, which I think is their parent company, um, being hauled before a Senate committee for, uh, you know, hearings. My sense is that it's probably senators who tried to get tickets for their kids or grandkids are upset that they didn't. And they're like, what can we do? Oh, yeah, we've got the power to... Uh, to bring these folks in and uh, and harangue them about their server not working correctly, but not just whatever. the server. Also, that Ticketmaster is, by any definition, a monopoly. They control the vast majority of their sphere, like ninety percent of yeah the business, ninety five percent, something wild like that. So they're looking into that. They're looking into antitrust stuff. But uh, T-Swift fans are doing what other bands have been trying for decades. Pearl Jam tried to bring this up, testified before Congress back in the 90s. Like Bands have been mm. railing against Ticketmaster for literal decades. So we'll see if, uh, if Taylor Swift can get it done. Do, do I remember right that Live Nation merged with Ticketmaster? And Correct. that merger required some kind of approval because it it was it was like violating a, a monopoly yeah act of some kind. And so they set out trust. these ground rules. They said, "Okay, yeah. you guys can merge if you do these things." Yes. They haven't complied with any of those things. They did just not do brazenly those didn't. <laughs> so that, so I, I mean, I, I get that why, why people are like, "Hey, here's the important stuff that we should really be worrying about." You know, uh, how's Ticketmaster treating people that want to go see Taylor Swift? Fair enough, but it's also just a huge business call, and it's a huge question for a lot of people about whether um, these kinds of businesses, which are, you know, a major part of the economy, um, uh, are acting properly. So I'm on the side of well, well, good for the good for the committee to try to get to the bottom of it. Now, yeah. truth be told, the committees like this don't really get to the bottom of it. <laughs> right? Like that is not that is just not what tends to happen. If 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 uh, committees got to the bottom of it, boy, wouldn't that be a wouldn't that I mean, be a trip? We, uh, you know, we I know we run the risk of being ageist here on the 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 podcast uh, from week to week, but I just I don't know who I don't know what committee this is and who's on it, but you know. There are an, there are senators that are in their late eighties, um, <laughs> you know, trying to understand this stuff. It just, I mean, I I was with my parents this weekend, and uh, you know, my dad for my dad's 80th birthday, my mom's in her, uh, you know, well, it, she's the same age as George W. Bush, as she likes to say. Uh, <laughs> okay. So she's that old. Um, trying to explain to her what was happening when she would get a text and it was someone saying, you know, Oh, we can't transfer money into your cash app 
And she's like, I don't even know what Cash App is. I don't have a Cash App account. And like trying to explain to her, Mars, we call my my mother Mars. This is like junk mail. You can just right. ignore it. <laughs> you know, like yeah. this. The, the, just no sense of the technology. And uh, and I wonder about you know the Senate committee. Will it produce any you know moments of senators? not understanding the technology <laughs> that's at play here. Yeah, yeah I would imagine. Well, the senator from your neck of the woods, uh, Doug, Amy Klobuchar, was on NPR this morning, and she seemed uh, she seemed to really want to get something done. I don't know who else is on this committee. But yeah, she's, I'll, I'll tell you what, she's got time to do it. She's got time because she is not at all encumbered in her schedule by the needs and desires of her constituents. <laughs> so she has... <laughs> Uh, she's got the afternoon free uh, to dig another one. Yes, that's right. Yeah. I, she strikes me as someone still have who, a call to return to that guy that showed up at your office with about 60 people. And we did a sit-in three years ago. And you assured us that you couldn't meet then, but you'd call back. Um, I'm just going to check my phone here for real quick. Nope, still hasn't called. <laughs> so yeah. uh, I, uh, give us a read. Amy Klobuchar gives me the vibes of the kind of person who... Tick, she was trying to get Taylor Swift tickets and Ticketmaster crashed. And she was like, I'm bringing them in before yep. the committee. Look, I'm not saying she's not a good legislator. I'm not saying she's not a, a, a tough negotiator and going to get some things. I'm just saying that her constituency side of her work is... Um, <laughs> It's <laughs> of need. Uh, yeah, well, I hope something uh, happens because I literally I can't afford to go to concerts. They're so expensive, and you get your ticket price, and then you go to click, and then it's like fifty dollars more in fees and per ticket. Yeah, yeah. It's, no, yeah. it's 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 serious. But, I, I don't know if you remember a while back, but there's another band that's it's got caught up in the same thing: the Bruce Springsteen uh, band. And yep. I was worried, uh, so I bought tickets because I thought these things are going to spike. They haven't spiked, and I'm stuck with, I get, I get some tickets. So if anybody's looking for Springsteen tickets in March for the Minneapolis show, St. Paul show, <laughs> uh, I, I know a guy that's uh, trying to trying to move oh, a couple so you, of them. Oh, you, you so you were buying extra tickets to, uh, yeah, to make some money. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, I've been I, on both sides of this stuff and it did it hasn't gone well uh, yeah. for me many times. And, but that's and so the thing, time. like tickets shouldn't be speculative investment like <laughs> opportunities. Like it should just be yeah. yeah, and to complain a bit for about what's going on is Ticketmaster itself is the resale apparatus. So here's how this works. You buy a ticket on Ticketmaster, then you they can immediately dip. resell it on Ticketmaster. So they are the platform for scalping. What yeah. they've done mm -hmm. is gotten rid of scalping Got by of making it legal, <laughs> legal to resell on their platform, of which they'll take another service fee. Yeah. So, yeah, this thing is just it. It doesn't sit well with uh, with your reasonable. Any, but Bruce, uh, any to person. my disappointment, hasn't been all that concerned. He's he's come out and been kind of like, yeah, yeah, ticket prices are what they are. Nothing yeah, so yeah, like, hey, yeah, yeah. Somebody should figure this out. Really, not our problem. Like, hey, want the rest of you people figure this out? Yeah, no, to totally. Yeah, and I don't, I don't know who's, I don't know. That's why they're having a committee, and we should tune in on C-SPAN and give a good listen to it, and uh, and hear the, uh, or just, or you know, what we should do. Let's ask, uh, let's ask producer Brandon to come on the show uh, after he watches yeah. it on C-SPAN yeah. and let us know. We should get a report from 
live you know, this report. Special correspondent. This could be a feature. This could be yes. a feature from us. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Brandon is a special. From Brandon. Special correspondent of the Vote Common Good Tuesday yeah. podcast uh, on C-SPAN. Yeah. He can, yeah, he can be the he can cover the C-SPAN beat for uh, for our podcast. That would be amazing. And by uh, the way, goodness. let me just 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 give a little uh, hellos to Kimberly from Minnesota, Alex from Florida, Mike from from California. Glad to see all of you, uh, all of you here. Good morning to all of you. And if you all want a special feature on any one of our regular podcasts, just let us know. I mean, we're always we're always hungry for correspondence. <laughs> and, and, uh, and right. Well, listen, we you know we're we're talking about the need for content um you know donald trump is a a guy who just keeps giving us content and uh stuff to talk he is a gift that just doesn't stop giving and particularly uh you know his the ongoing conversation about uh all of the scandals related to donald trump in particular his 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 ties to russia and uh and how that might have influenced the 2016 election um an interesting twist took place and you know, this week um, with uh, with all of that, Doug, you're not familiar with this story, so uh, so let me let's do a little uh, let's do a just uh, yeah, please, just immediate reaction right out of the gate, okay? So here's here's the story uh, headline: ex FBI official arrested for taking money from former foreign agent, violating Russia sanctions. Here's the story: federal prosecutors say the former head of counterintelligence for the FBI's New York office, laundered money, violated sanctions against Russia while working with a Russian oligarch, and while still at the FBI, took hundreds of thousands of dollars from a foreign national and a former foreign intelligence official. Charles McGonagall, which, isn't that a character from Harry Potter? <laughs> yeah. um, anyway, anyways, Charles McGonagall, I'm not, I'm not a Harry Potter guy, but uh, Charles McGonagall, 55, was arrested on Saturday after arriving at JFK Airport in New York on a flight from the Middle East. Case filed in federal court in Washington, D.C., alleges that while serving as special agent in charge of FBI counterintelligence efforts in the New York office, McGonagall took $225,000 in cash from an individual with business interests in Europe, who had an employee of, uh, who had been an employee of a foreign foreign intelligence service? Parenthetically, I would say probably KGB. Um, that's that's not a thing anymore, though, right? From twenty yeah, from yeah. August twenty seventeen through his retirement in September twenty eighteen, McGonagall allegedly concealed his relationship with his former foreign security officer from the FBI. He allegedly requested and received cash from the individual and traveled abroad with the individual. Goes on to talk about uh, federal prosecutors in New York allege that after his 2018 retirement from the FBI, McGonagall worked with Russian oligarch Oleg Deripaska, Deripaska associate Sergei. Yeah, you, you're. Yeah, you don't need I mean, to pronounce like, Russian names. Yeah, just, yeah. just, you know, you can, these, uh, these folks. So, anyways, um, yeah, now the, these folks. The, the significant part about this is that McGonagall um, was in another article, uh, key, uh, Newsweek article, says he was one of the key figures who helped trigger special counsel Robert Mueller's investigation into allegations that Trump's campaign team colluded with Russia to help the former president win in 2016. Uh, McGonagall, while serving as chief of the cybercrime section of the FBI headquarters in Washington, D.C., was among the first FBI officials to be made aware of allegations that George Papadopoulos, a 2016 campaign advisor for, for Trump, boasted that he knew Russians had political dirt for uh, on Democrat candidate 
uh, Hillary Clinton. Uh, the information led to the FBI launching Crossfire Hurricane, which would examine whether Trump officials had been coordinating wittingly or unwittingly with Russia's attempts to interfere in the 2016 presidential election. So, um, you know, here's a guy that Unbelievable. has close personal ties with a Russian oligarch, He's taking um, hundreds of thousands of dollars from uh, foreign agents while working at the FBI and in the counterintelligence field, um, <laughs> involved in the investigation of Donald Trump and Russia in their interference in the 2016 election, and he was taking money from a Russian oligarch. Unreal. It's like it's, a bad spy novel. Like you can't yes. make this up. Right. It would seem far-fetched, wouldn't it? If somebody, uh, if you saw this in a, in a movie uh, or a streaming television show, more likely this would sort of be that. Yeah. Look, yeah. Why, why, was, why was everything so corrupt when Trump was president? That's going to be my spin on this. Why from 2016 uh, to 2020 was everything just so horrible? We had a coronavirus. We had this guy doing all these things, you know, you know, because presidents love to take credit for all the stuff that happens that's good <laughs> when they're when when they're yeah. president, like gas prices and how businesses are doing and <laughs> winning championships. Uh, you just think, why why was all this horrible stuff happening? It, it's truly uh, uh, heartbreaking to hear just the sheer level of flat out corruption across the, yeah. the the systems that we're supposed to trust like not even not little kinds of corruption not not little stuff you know that you'd sort of you'd wag your finger at but some fbi regardless if he worked on the plans with you know if he worked on the the Mueller report or not just that an fbi agent in charge of counterterrorism activities on the internet is taking money from a sanctioned Russian oligarch, just that <laughs> would be something that, that should really should really shake the system. Yeah. And they go on to quote uh, an FBI agent, part of the investigation into this former FBI agent. He says, the way we maintain the trust and confidence of the American people is through our work, showing when all the facts come out that we stuck to the process and we treated everyone equally, even when it's one of our own. Like, yeah, but it's kind of, the trust is already broken. <laughs> like... <laughs> I like, mean, these are yeah. These, glad these are like he's arrested that, now, but these are like people that sell you brooms to clean up the mess, and then after someone breaks your windows and steals all your stuff, they're like, "But didn't our brooms do a great job cleaning up all the all the mess?" <laughs> the, I mean, the Biden team is making the same mistake, right? They're shifting to, "Isn't it great that we responded to the bad activity that we yeah. committed in such a great way?" Yeah, like that is not the, those are separate issues. Did you cause the mess, and did you clean it up? Those are two different, two different pieces of the puzzle. And it's um, look, I, look, I, I've I've had this like um, emotional whiplash around the FBI because mm. during the Obama years here in Minnesota, a lot of those of us who are activists in social causes were really bothered by the FBI's behavior in its attempts to, quote, infiltrate uh, Muslim terrorists. And they yeah. arrested uh, a 
group of young Somali men and have put three of them in prison for their rest of their lives. And to a lot of our minds, and we were involved, in fact, the church I used to be a pastor of, we even uh, helped pay for the college, uh, the in-prison college of one of these people, uh, one of these people who were convicted of this. We know the family well, we know the story well. The FBI's behavior in this was horrendous. They set these kids up and knocked them down. It mm-hmm. was just outrageous. Then when Trump becomes, well, then there's Hillary Clinton's uh, investigation into Hillary Clinton and furious at Comey. Then when the whole Trump thing comes up and the FBI is the one you have to trust on the Trump investigation, then you feel like you want to be on the FBI side. And now I feel like, yeah, but the FBI still is just riddled with things that to an outsider like me, feels not great. And we've had on this podcast, FBI whistleblowers. Whistleblower. Yeah, I was just going to bring that up. We need to get her back on and, and be reminded uh, that this stuff has been going on for, for a very long time. So and that's I, where I'm surprised that this investigation resulted in an arrest and indictment because uh, from hearing our whistleblower friend talk about it, to go against one of your own is career suicide. You know, she tried to blow the whistle internally about some bad mm-hmm. actions and she was sidelined, sent to some remote you know, desk job and ultimately fired because she was trying to do the right thing internally. So it's, it's a big deal that this guy did stuff totally. so brazenly bad that they're like, ah, oh, we yeah. should probably do something about this. <sighs> do something about, about, <laughs> we should do something about this one. Yeah. This is Santos level of bad. And by the way, if you go back and listen to that, we should, you know, uh, share the, share the link to that for people. She later, this, this whistleblower had a court, settlement and was justified in her in her uh, whistleblowing uh, critique against the FBI. So she was vindicated that indeed the thing she was claiming the FBI had done criminally, they had indeed done. So she's not just someone with, you know, making making allegations. It mm-hmm. also was was settled up. And this is also settled up. And this is the kind of thing and this is what makes the this is what makes the partisan side of politics so hard. Right. Is that when you believe that, you know, that someone like Trump or the FBI's work in that case was legitimate and the Russian thing was real and is a big deal, doesn't also mean that the FBI doesn't do stuff like this or some of the same characters involved in it or that it's not living up to its own commitments. So two things can be you don't just have evil and good in two separate containers. You have this this mixture that makes things really, really difficult. Yeah, you just, I mean, it's like you just got some bad apples in the FBI. That's all it is. Just just, just a couple bad apples. <laughs> you know, I mean, the rest the of that is fine. The rest of that phrase that people forget a bad apple spoils the whole spoils. bunch. Yep. And this, this sort of proves it. It's like one, it, it's probably not just mm-hmm. one, but this guy doing this level of you know, money laundering and breaking sanctions, illegal activity, it, breaks the trust with the American people for the whole FBI, not just this, this former guy. So, yeah. Isn't the, isn't the phrase one bad apple don't spoil the whole bunch girl. So give it one more try. What is that? No, it's I've never Jackson heard that. Five, it's the Jackson five song. One bad <laughs> apple don't spoil the whole bunch girl. So give it one more. That's Michael Jackson when he was in the Jackson five. I don't think they coined the original no. phrase. There's no. an original. 
So the original phrase, okay, this is mind-blowing. <laughs> Kimberly agrees, though. Wasn't that a Kimberly's Michael Jackson? You, yeah, Kimberly's <laughs> Thank right you. There Thank you. Well, she's not fellow, fellow Minnesotan. Maybe maybe there was just a version of the Jackson 5 <laughs> playing on KDWB. Like some Mandela uh, 1.3 in the Twin Cities. Uh, so you're saying that there's a phrase, one bad apple spoils the whole bunch, and then they make a little turn of phrase in this song to say, but one bad apple don't spoil the whole bunch, girl. So we'll give it one more try. Yeah. No? Okay. Yeah. All right. Yes. I didn't know the phrase. I only knew it as a song lyric. Are we sure really? it was Michael Jackson and not the Osmonds? Uh-oh. Yes. Origin but, of bad apple. But, bad but, but, apple. My cert, but my certainty is often un, unsupported. So I am certain. You, yeah. Yes, and yes, loud wrong, wrong yeah. is uh, a, yeah. so <laughs> bad apple is indeed defined as someone who creates problems or causes trouble for others, specifically a member of a group whose behavior reflects poorly or negatively affects the influence or influences the remainder of the group. Versions of the proverb can be found as far back as the early 16th century huh. in the cook's tale from Geoffrey Chaucer's Canterbury Tales, an apprentice chef named Perkin is asked to to be let go from servitude on the rationale that his habits of drinking vice and debauchery will rub off on his, on his colleagues. Uh, poor Richard's almanac has the saying, um, misuse of the proverb. <laughs> We've got, uh, <laughs> George W. Bush is an example. The original phrase doesn't have quite the flow. A rotten apple quickly infects its neighbor. <laughs> just doesn't have the same zip, you know. That's the biologist. That's the biologist kicking in. So Kimberly is right. Uh, uh, both times it was written by the Jackson Five, uh, but then recorded, made famous by the Osmonds. Wow. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. How about that? Uh, boy, right. I mean, I mean, here's the thing. Did, did we talk about this on this podcast? There's this feat. There's this. Uh, uh, syndrome thing called the Mandela effect. Oh, I just fascinating. It, yeah. <laughs> it's fascinating. Like collective misremembering something. Yes. Yeah, and this would be one of them. Or uh, Bernstein uh, Bears. If, oh, what's the Bernstein Bears one? Well, there's a whole generation of kids that are like, it's called the Bernstein Bears. Turns out yeah. it's not spelled that way. It's like Bernstein, and my whole oh. childhood was alive. Yeah, I would. Yeah. Berenstein Bears, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, um, there, there's one about uh, uh, stovetop stuffing. Uh, do you know that one? No. Yeah. Okay. Uh, we should look that one up because that's a <laughs> that's a doozy. So the the idea here is that there's these Edward beliefs. Eighth eating a turkey leg. Luke, I am your father. Mirror, mirror on the wall. Well, okay. Uh, what's what's Luke? I am your father. What are you saying? That's not the actual phrase that yeah. he says. He says, no, I am your father. He doesn't say, Luke, I am your father. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> I mean, all honesty, what, what, what's next? Uh, Houston, we have a problem. That wasn't said either. Is that, is that another one? Just true. That one wasn't said either. Uh, Berenstein Bears. A problem, Famous children's we? book series, The Berenstein Bears, is not immune to the Mandela effect. Many report uh, remembering the name being... Berenstein Bears, spelled with an E instead of an A. Hmm. Yeah, um, I'm not What's finding. I'm not finding anything about stovetop stuffing. Um, but yeah, it's it's a crazy thing. So I, Stouffer's, we've got, Stouffer's stovetop stuffing. Do you know that? 
that brand, no. Stouffer's Stovetop yes. Stuffing? Yes, yes. Love Stovetop yeah. Stuffing. There's no such thing as Stouffer's Stovetop Stuffing. Stouffer's never made, Stouffer's never made Stovetop <laughs> Stuffing. This is what I'm saying. The thing you're doing right now and the thing that I'm doing with the Luke and your father is the effect. Would we'll people are like, what? No, 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 That's totally 100% true. I'm going to, oh my gosh, there's no Stouffer's Stovetop <laughs> Stuffing. <laughs> but you know yeah. it to be true. It is as true as there is true. There's, there's nothing more true, right, in your mind than those things. And yet they're not yeah. true. They're not. Yeah. They're, they're not yeah. True. Well, I'm gonna say. Um, it's called the Mandela I, I just, effect. If you're trying to look this stuff up, because it started with with uh, that Mandela had died, right? That was the big. Yeah. Thing. And then he gets this out of prison. Is, I don't know something about that. I don't yeah. know why. Why it's and, connected. Uh, I, I, the Mandela effect is widespread. Um, I'm not sure the phrase "rotten apple don't spoil the whole bunch" or "bad apple don't spoil the whole bunch." Um, Originating from the Jackson Five, I don't, I don't know, I don't, I don't know if it's a <laughs> widespread memory. I mean, it's well, Doug and Kimberly, and I'm not sure who else. Okay, I'm just saying, two random strangers at one moment, <laughs> and, and it might, it, it might be an age thing. Like if you don't even know the Osmonds, or what I believe to be the Jackson Five version of the song <laughs> "One Bad Apple Don't Spoil the Whole Bunch." You might know the phrase, one bad apple spoils the whole bunch, but I'm just thinking that there's a generation of us for whom that phrase is most known and heard as it don't spoil the whole bunch. Yeah. Well, I, I really feel like we are covering the important political topics today on the podcast. <laughs> got Much Swift, like taking, taking our cue from the House Ways and Means Committee, um, now, listen, if you if you know what the House Ways and Means Committee is, the House Ways and Means Committee God is often you. referred to as the powerful Ways and Means Committee. Yeah. Um, because it is one of the most important um, committees that exists in the House of Representatives. So all tax law has to originate from the House of Representatives. So ha like taxes that are written, like all of that has to start in the House of Representatives. And the place where it starts in the House of Representatives is the Ways and Means Committee. So if you are on the Ways and Means Committee, you control tax policy in the United mm -hmm. States of America. You have the opportunity to significantly impact it. Now, I mean, so it's a really powerful committee, really important, maybe not as important as the Appropriations Committee. So there's another committee. There's a the Ways oh, and Means oh, Committee. This is getting which in sets, appropriation. This is getting in yeah, appropriation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a Ways and Means Committee which sets tax policy. There's the Budget Committee which creates the budget based on that tax policy. And then there's the Appropriations Committee that distributes the money um, and allocates the money based on the budget. So three really powerful and important committees. If you're going to be in one, you might want to be on the appropriations committee if you just have to choose, you know, because, you know, you get to decide where the money goes and you can send some home to help get you reelected, name a bridge after you or something. Uh, but, <laughs> but the Ways and Means Committee, all this to say, the Ways and Means Committee is a substantive, serious, mm -hmm. like this is, uh, this is not playing around. Like it is a... It is known as one of the most important committees in the House of Representatives. It is where 
the big dogs with seniority end up. It's you work your, you don't, you know, George Santos is not on the Ways and Means Committee, you know? Like, you're not a serious congressperson. You are not on this committee. So if you visit well, the Ways and Means Committee. That's how it used to be. <laughs> so, all that to say, you visit the Ways and Means Committee website today, and uh, and our, our fellow common do-gooder, Tim, sent this to us because uh, he found it and was amused by it. Um, here at the top of the page are the substantive, tremendously important um, policy and initiatives and topics that uh, are going to be tackled by the August Ways and Means Committee. Bidenflation. Tax Cuts and Jobs Act. Okay, that's understandable. Unemployment insurance fraud, also known as let's go after poor people. So-called Inflation Reduction Act. Yeah, anytime one of your topics is so-called, I mean, yeah. you're using the phrase so-called. Well, and it's anytime so you're making like bad name jokes like Biden inflation, that's not even a good like no joke. Uh, I'm, yeah, and I'm for, with you on that. Like you're trying to brand something, and you think, oh, I got it, I got it, I got it. We're gonna call it Bidenflation. No, it's no, it's not going to work. It's not going to stick. It doesn't. It's ridiculous. Democrats drug priced control scheme. Oh, <laughs> you've got a big That's problem with one. insulin being capped at $35 a month. Like how? Oh, just Dr drug pricing control scheme. They have a scheme, <laughs> a schema. That's the best. Uh, Supercharged IRS with those 87,000 IRS agents who are going to be, you know, those jackboot thugs that are coming through your door. So ridiculous. Supercharged IRS. Hey, Matt, you, you think about whoever put this together. How long did they like struggle? Like, what's the right adjective? To <laughs> like, how do we describe the uh, supercharge? Isn't supercharge, isn't that normally a good thing? Don't you yeah, want to you're a supercharger in your engine? You want to. Yeah, it was. So here's here's the Biden insight. That, student loan giveaway is the last that one. That sounds oh, great to me. Yes. But seriously, more giveaways, wish it, please. Wish, wish it was more. <laughs> uh, I mean, this is this is just evidence of the complete, like two things. One, the utter lack of seriousness by this version of the Republican Party. These are not serious people. Yeah. These are not people committed to a political philosophy. These are not you know, policy wonks. This is, you wouldn't get this garbage even from someone like Paul yeah. Ryan, you know, who no. trying to do something serious, you know, it might be misguided, but like, but there's a, a level of political philosophy and commitment behind it. No, this is, these are not serious people. And number two, the politicalization of the mm -hmm. wheels of government uh, like there should be things that, okay, you understand that you campaign, right? Yes. Like the work of the Ways and Means Committee is not campaigning. Like that, you got to be able to wear two different hats. You know, you talk about it one way on the campaign trail. And then when you get down to the work of being the tax policy setting committee of the United States House of Representatives, and I don't know, maybe you use a different language. I don't, yeah. This is ridiculous. You see, you set the other things aside. 
and clearly they're not doing it. The, the other insight, that's that's important insight there, I think, is that it shows that it's just full-time for the messaging side of the Republican-held House. It is just full-time campaign, politi- campaign mode and politicization of things. Mm-hmm. What it does tell you, though, these seven topics is that these are the seven topics that if you're in the right-wing version of American politics, whether as an observer or a voter or something else, or you watch the right-wing side of things, or you listen to the uh, conversations that go on in the right-wing and um, you know on Joe Rogan's Spotify, you listen to any of that stuff, and what you're going to hear is stuff about Biden's inflation, the tax cuts and job acts, the unemployment insurance fraud, Drug pricing is really just a scheme not to help anyone with insulin, but really just a scheme to help pharmaceutical agents or somebody, you know. Yeah, who is that some, supposed some to help? Villain. I can't even, it's, it's bonkers. And, you know, how the uh, Inflation Reduction Act really was just a bunch of big spending. So what it tells you yeah. is these are the topics that on right-wing media and right-wing uh, conversation points in coffee shops around the country where people are sitting around, this is the stuff they're talking about. So the reason the Ways and Means Committee is doing this is trying to be updated on we care about the things that the people of America care about. This is their narrative. And here's the thing. This is the stuff that people, 30% of the American population cares about. They actually think this is the stuff. You know, mm-hmm. when, when I'm when I'm around my Republican friends and they hear the stuff that, that I talk about, they're like, I cannot believe anyone cares about the stuff you guys, no one cares about that stuff. <laughs> And then I'm like, well, what do you think they care about? And then they name this stuff. And I'm like, no, that's the stuff no one cares about. So it's a reminder of what happens in our politics that different perspectives care about different things, articulate it in different ways. And there's there's almost no way to make sense of, of this world because we don't care. You know, it's, it's, there's like a vertical continuum about things you know about and, and and don't know about. And then there's a, a horizontal uh, continuum of things you care about and things you don't care about. And we think that the way we should change people's minds is by getting them to know things they don't know, move them up the vertical continuum to the know you know things. So people spend a lot of time with facts, helping people do that. But the other kind of work that's done is moving people on the horizontal continuum. That's moving people toward caring about things they don't care about. And that's the work that, yeah. the, that the Ways and Means Committee is actually doing. They're like, yeah. we're going to tell you by this apparatus that these are the things that matter. So when we want to go on a talk show or we want to re- do a press report or we want to imp- uh, send out a mailer to our people, we can say, as you brought up earlier, Rob, the powerful Ways and Means Committee even believes that the so-called Inflation Reduction Act is harmful, right? Yeah. So they give credit because these are the things they want to talk about. So they're showing you the campaign points for 2024. And yeah. here they are. What I'm shocked at is there's not a line about the border on there. Yeah. <laughs> really surprised that that's, how they that that's not, not sneak that in there. Yeah. How, how, how they not just round this thing up to eight and, uh, and, and yep. hit it. It's, fentanyl, it's a little shocking. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yep. Open border and fentanyl are the two things that are missing. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Fentanyl spending is just, just killing yeah. us. It's just, they're, you know, they're just <laughs> yep. these, uh, these drug traffickers are just lowering yep. the price of fentanyl and we yeah. need to 
you know, protect. Listen, Doug, you're talking about, you know, these two groups of people that care about different things. Um, I, I think we're at the point where all of us care about classified documents now, right? <laughs> Seriously, I, it, it was it was a feeling not unlike in 2016 when in October, I remember where I was sitting when I opened up my phone and saw James Comey announces reopening the investigation to Hillary Clinton's emails. And I just went, oh my gosh, like, you know, the just terrible, terrible news and nonsense driven by yes James Comey's choice to reopen the investigation then later say there was nothing here but also the way Hillary Clinton and her team chose to treat those documents and that whole document thing like they just mishandled it like crazy the other day when this one came out about more documents were found in Biden's home after the FBI looked through look search looked through it it just felt like that like oh my I know, I know it's not the same and it's not fair and Trump is treated differently. Yo, 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 yo. That's true. But the difference is Joe Biden ran on, I'm not that guy. Mm -hmm. Not, I'm marginally better at how I treated the classified documents (laughs) that I kept than that guy. That wasn't the deal. Or the statute of limitations has run out on me being charged for me <laughs> for having classified documents <laughs> while the statute of limitations has not run out on that former guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, 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 it's, it, look, this is, this is really bad um, and, and would be bad separately from, look, had Trump not covered up and and the FBI had to go forcibly into Mar-a-Lago to get the documents that they lied about. And then, you know, FBI informants were telling the FBI that they're moving the documents and they had reason to believe that, you know, there's criminal activity going on, which now they're going to prosecute, I hope. Even if that hadn't happened, just to find out that Trump had hundreds of classified documents in his possession would have been scandalous just on his face. Mm -hmm. So to say, well, Biden has documents shouldn't be seen as scandalous because he didn't make the FBI and the Justice Department fight to get the documents. That's not the point. And this is is really a problem. It's, It's a problem if Biden ran loose with these documents as a senator. In other words, he's had a habit of doing this he did it as a senator and then did it as a as a vice president because people some people are talking about this as if like well hey, that was a long <laughs> yeah, that old excuse that was a long time ago i've changed a lot since then again part of his pedigree has been he is seasoned he's experienced he's been around a long time and he was doing this stuff keeping documents or not knowing he had documents. Yeah, either one is bad. If you're just like, I didn't even know I had that top secret document. That's bad too. That's not a good look. (laughs) Nope. Nope. It's it's not. And you can say, and you know, Kimberly brings it up, well, you know, AIDS and other people packed this stuff and kind of went through it. Okay, then what you need to do is come out and say, look, we have a serious document problem in this country. Senators all over the country have stuff packed up and we've got classified documents all over. We've got to get a handle on this. I would participated in it. Biden could come out and say, former President Trump participated in it. Now, the difference between us is he covered it up and committed a crime in the cover-up. 
and, and said, I'm not giving them back. They belong to me. In my case, I didn't even know. That's not a great argument, especially mm -hmm. when the push is, I don't think this guy's got it all together and can keep up. And he's like, I didn't know I had him. Not a good, not, not a good argument. So it's really a problem. They have to get out in front on this and, and have senators look around in their stuff, have Obama and Bush and everybody else look, look around at all this and figure out is, is what Trump did fairly typical for people in this position? And vice presidents, look at all the other vice presidents. What does Dick Cheney have? What does Mike Pence have? And if, if we all have to say, look, what Trump had, not that big of a deal in comparison to the kinds of things that people have. If that's the argument, fair enough. Yeah. Then you can there just deal with the cover-up. Yes. But yep. this, like, he 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 brought in a really great broom to clean up the mess he created, and Trump was over <laughs> there, you know, with a with a with a leaf blower, just making making a mess out of things, making things worse. That's not the response, and that's primarily the, the response that I've heard from the political respondents around this issue. And it has me yelling at my television when I'm alone in my family room again. And I don't like that when I'm yelling at the TV. That's not the point. And it's, you know, a, uh, a person that I want to uh, support in their, in their political aspirations. That doesn't yeah. feel good. I need to get on top of this thing. Well, here's one thing. I was in a political discussion with a friend over the weekend uh, from kind of a different perspective. The one thing we agreed on is maybe this means... Biden uh, doesn't run again, and that's a good thing. So kind of a place of agreement from two different sides of the spectrum. Maybe Biden should sit it out. This is, uh, you know. Thank you for what you did. And, uh, yeah. Doug, can we talk about the fact that you have referenced brooms twice now on the podcast? As <laughs> well, a, I, was I was carrying through my metaphor. Uh, I, I was, it was one singular. It was such a good metaphor the first time you're like, I'm going to... Sweep this right on through. Well, I, I made this point earlier, so I felt like we were all along on the broom, broom metaphor. And, <laughs> yeah, and like really. a good comedian, I was going to bring it up a third time at the end because the rule of thirds in comedy was about to come. But <laughs> that now, that's now now. So thank you, Rob. You got the rule of third comedic uh, comedic bit. So that was that was well played. Look, do you, do you think this is going to impact Biden running? I I feel like um, look, I I was there in Mexico where they make the brooms. I've seen where they make the brooms. I know brooms. Um, truly, on our on, go, go on our Vote Common Good uh, YouTube channel and look at our We the People ride when we rode uh, wow. along the U.S. Mexico border. Why are border. we talking and, about brooms again? And part of the time, because well, you brought it up a third time, and and part of the uh, uh, work we did there was meeting people who live in this small little town called Lagua Prieta. And one of the things they do there is make brooms. And watching broom making happen, incredible. Just totally, it was, totally great. Was so if you need to clean up your own political mess, get down there first. And, you know, Biden should yeah. have swung into Agua Prieta and you know said, "Hey, I I clean up the messes yeah. that I created." Here's the thing: I'm afraid of with Joe. He He's too is, stubborn. Yeah, and now it's going to be like I'm not not running because of this, and then that guy is running. And he did a worse thing. He, he's he's now staring down the Al Franken moment, yeah. right? When Al Franken resigned because of the pressure brought upon him by this by the Democratic senators, and it crashed things in in his life. And then Trump just went on, and everybody else just clicked along. And 
that lesson was now learned by a lot going, of people. Wait a minute. Like, like hang <laughs> on. I thought there was a like, we're gonna all step up and do the right thing here and get the pressure, take the pressure off. Like that lesson, Trump's lesson that he taught America and and Santos is in the same place as the the lying congressman. Just double down on it and say, yeah. I'm I'm not fixing it. I don't care what you say is honorable or virtuous or respectable. I'm not doing it. I don't think Biden's going to do that, but I think he also is is now going to be like, I'm not I'm not cowing to this. This is not going to be the way I I go down. Yeah, um, that's my it, sense. It's it's really I, I don't <laughs> this is, but man, you do not want to be going into the 2024 presidential election, even if. I know Trump doesn't make it all the way through. Just the lead up to it at the end of this year right. and early 2024. You don't want to go into that with my secret documents case is less bad than your secret documents case. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It, it's just terrible. This is, yeah. this is, it, it's, it's not good. And he needs to apologize and use words like mistake and wrong and mistakes were made irresponsible and irresponsible yeah. right and 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 own up to it and and then let people make the make the distinction if they think mm-hmm. there is one to be made between Trump and and Biden on on this yeah because look Trump was never going to go to jail or be prosecuted or be punished for the treatment of the documents it was going to be for the cover up of the treatment of the documents and if he was using them in some way that was inappropriate if he was yeah. giving people not not that they were there that was never the thing right that's why the fbi and the justice department and the and the whatever it is the the the, the library congress people were like just just put them in a box and give them back. We don't care where they were. Like what they did in yeah. Vegas stays in Vegas with us. Like wherever those things are like, well, that's not what we're into. We're not, we're not here for that problem. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. And one of the, one of the things that's interesting to me is how did the national archives know that the Trump stuff was missing, but they didn't know the Biden stuff was missing. Well, they knew some of the Trump stuff was missing because for lots of reasons, like it, it was incomplete files. They didn't know everything that Trump had. They found that yeah. they don't know all the documents, but they knew there were some missing pieces did you, uh, did you of see some Trump's, of the things that they you, that they weren't getting back. Did you see Trump's latest defense? I, th- I mean, it was sometime I don't know. I can't remember. Maybe over the weekend. But anyways, he had uh, he had posted on he he truthed on Truth Social that um, the folders were empty. They had the they had, but they said classified across them, and he he thought that was kind of fun. It would be like a fun memento, a keepsake well, from uh, that's, from being president. Remember that time know, I, I got to have top secret documents? Like, yeah. No, he kept the, he kept the box. It's like when somebody buys an iPhone or and they keep yeah. the box in their house for a long time. They're like, hey, can we throw like, the box away? You know, when you when you go to the beach and you bring home a couple of uh, seashells. Yeah, look, I get his point. If the whole thing was, you know what I took? I took the file folders. I took the cover sheet. Yeah. Okay, that no one would care. No one would care. It would be like, that actually would be a memento. And because the documents are now back in the other place, no one would care. Am am I wrong in remembering? I mean, am am I I stovetop stuffer stuffing or one bad apple or aguieta brooms are the best? This thing. You gotta learn comedy, my man. You'll you'll get it at some I'm point. With you, I'm with it's, you. It's, it's the it's the it's the, there it is there it is okay. the callback. You'll, you'll get it. I'm laughing um, because the more you have to explain the joke, the funnier yeah, it gets. Yeah, I know, to me. I know. It just gets it just gets funnier. I mean, what what am I? 
running to be the next governor of the state or am I trying to be the superintendent of my daddy's Sunday school? I, some days I don't know. I don't know. And that's a flashback to uh, the campaign uh, effort that I wanted to see against uh, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, the, the governor of Arkansas. But back to this point, am, am I remembering wrong that it was an FBI and somebody called the FBI and said, we have surveillance footage from Mar-a-Lago, internal footage of people moving the boxes that we agreed were going to stay in this one storage closet while we negotiate who keeps them. And they're letting people in and moving them. Do you remember that, that piece of the story, why the I, FBI had yes. permission? Yeah, for, yeah okay. I've, I, I've got some vague sense of that. Okay. I, I, I remember this too. And, but again, you know, the things I remember and things that actually happened are often not in, in total, total match. Yeah. That's a huge difference in my yes. mind though. If like, if what, if what this is really all about is not the documents, it's really about that they were trying to cover that yeah. stuff up and they had to go yeah. in. Well, Rob, we know you have a hard stop, so we better yep. call it a day. And we'll sweep this all under the rug. We'll clean up. We'll clean up on <laughs> aisle three. You don't worry about it. Uh, <laughs> we got this one <laughs> all right uh see you rob rob's gotta bye go bye. uh hard stop at 11 dan and i will give you all greetings of some you know greetings and salutations and, and goodbyeisms and 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 all the rest of it dan anything else that we need to no i think uh i think that's a lot yeah. well thanks jim kimberly alex um just a couple of comments from jim in there sorry about that um brandon good to see you um mike Digs by the way seven. Uh, hey, the the other day one of my buddies was was on here and he made a comment about something and then I made some comment and uh, but he he has one of those YouTube names that I didn't recognize oh, when, it, when uh -huh. it popped up and, I, and then I had lunch with him later that week and he said hey you know I'm, I put that comment in there and then you said this thing later were, were you like referring to me about that <laughs> I was like, oh, man, no I I wish I wish it was that sophisticated that I could read the the names of all the people, if the name isn't big and clear, or if it's one of the, and he said, well, my, my photo was there. I thought maybe you saw the photo on the comment. I'm like, oh, <laughs> don't see that. If you wonder what we're talking about, people who are on YouTube can make live comments while, while, we, uh, while we go. And so if you want to listen to this podcast in that form or write comments later, we'll see them and, and sometimes respond to them if they're the kind that should be responded to or other people read them as they watch the video. Yeah. Or if you're on Facebook or Twitch or Twitter or those places, you can also make comments and all that. But And on the producer side over here, I can see where the comments are coming from. I can see the little pictures. Uh, but you just see the text and not where they're from and that sort of That's thing. right. You you see that with your privileged uh, perspective producer over powers, there. yes. Yeah. Yeah, I I just see the name. Uh, of somebody and then, the, and then the comment that they make. So, hey, we'll be back tomorrow. We'll be talking about uh, issues of faith and all the rest. And then we're going to talk about uh, economics on Thursday. So if you want to be in on this, because all this debt ceiling business mm -hmm. is fundamentally framed differently if you think about the rest of, you know, if you think about the, how the federal government gets funded the way we think you should think about how the federal government gets funded. So we'll be talking about that more on on Thursday, if you want to be in on that conversation. Yep. Is that good for now? That's great. We'll see you then. Okay, bye everybody.